Hello and welcome to episode number 65 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is Monday, November 13th, 2017. I am Rollo McFlugel and with me is Slappy Jones 2 and we are both at McFlugel.com. The show notes page for this episode is McFlugel.com slash 65. You'll be able to find links about things we're talking about as well as ways to follow us on social media and to otherwise keep up with us. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to Slappy, and he's going to introduce our episode topic. Thank you, Rallo, and thanks again, everyone, for listening. This week, I was, uh, or this weekend, I was out raking my leaves, which, uh, where my house is, I get plenty of them. So the nice thing is I have a lot of time to uh, listen to some podcasts, catch up on some things that I've missed over the last couple of weeks, just because there's only so much time in the day. And uh, I was listening to the Rubin Report. Dave Rubin does a pretty good job. He gets a, a lot of good guests on with good, solid interviews. It's worth listening to, usually. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, I think it was the November 3rd episode. I could be wrong on that, but it was maybe a week or two ago. He had Jordan Peterson on. Jordan Peterson is a clinical psychologist or psychiatrist. Psychologist? Do you know what it is? Nope. Okay. Well, he's one of them. Uh, and he's a really, he's a brilliant guy. I actually recommend listening to his podcast, which is also brilliant. Helps me out in so many ways. Uh, very knowledgeable, very well-read. Knows Alexander Solzhenitsyn's stuff and Carl Jung and a whole bunch of them. He's he's really spot on with with helping you through your day and letting you know that life is tough and there's ways to get through it. He's really great. Uh, but toward the end of this episode on the Ribbon Report, he was asked a question and I didn't really like his response. So that's going to be the topic of this episode. Um, so to get it started, I'm going to read the question that was asked to Jordan Peterson. It was by one of the listeners of uh, the Rubin Report, Dave Rubin's show, was one of the, the listeners got to send in questions. And so I'm going to read it, and then I'll pass it over to Rallo for what he thinks of the question, then we'll go from there. So this is Dave Rubin talking, quote, Hi, Jordan Peterson. I believe there's a growing number of ANCAPs, free market anarchists, that are trying to influence society. I would like to know your opinions on them, and how should we feel, and I'm sorry, and how should we keep them from thrusting us into chaos, end quote. Rallo, what do you think of the question, one, to begin with, before we go into Peterson's answer? Well, I think we found someone more delusional than us about caring about <laughs> anarchy because, I mean, we're really at a point where anyone should be worried about anarchists um, not, you know, not throwing us into chaos, but just having any sort of control over anything. I mean, any influence on anything, <laughs> even, even if we, you know, increased our numbers by a factor of 10 over the last year, well, we went from 10 to a hundred <laughs> and that's right. not, I, think, I mean, I there's think no one, I think the movement's growing and I think it's great, but I mean, it's kind of fun. And then just thrusting us into chaos. What is it just shows that he doesn't have any idea of what we are or what we believe. So it's it's kind of well thr thrusting us, yeah, and it's like thrusting us into chaos as compared to what what we're in right now, right? Where there's wars all over the place, people in jail. Like, what's chaos? How, how do you define chaos? I don't know, like, but so I guess war is peace. <laughs> you know, up is down. Yeah, I don't know. 
thrusting us into chaos. It's funny. We have a group of people demanding money from you and threatening you with imprisonment if you don't pay it, and that's not chaos, but living in a voluntary society would be chaos, according to this guy. So obviously the guy asking the question either doesn't understand anarcho-capitalism or is just being a jerk. I don't know. Um, because if you do if you do not understand anarchy or, or the thought and the theories and the philosophy behind it, I could see why you would say it's chaos, but I just think you should look into it more instead of assuming that a group of people wants to thrust us into chaos. Just like I, I think Rallo would agree when you talk to a real communist, someone who understands the theory behind it, um, their plan isn't to make your life hell. That's not what they want. They think it's going to be good. So, um, in order to argue against them, it's, you can't just say you're going to throw us into chaos. At least that's what I think. So, I mean, it's, it's probably a good rule of thumb to try to not insult the people you're trying to learn what they think. Well, yeah. And then, I mean, well, right. And, but the, 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 the problem with this question here is that he doesn't want to learn because he's just already has his conclusion without learning. So, and, uh, and, you know, and we didn't include it in the transcript on the show notes page or read it here, but, and you can hear it if you listen to the Rubin report episode, but David Rubin did add the comment right after that. He goes, Oh, he did editorialize this a little bit. So he did say that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he pointed it out. So anyway, I'm going to read some of, we'll, we'll start Peterson's, uh, answer and have some discussion about it. So Jordan Peterson says, quote, well, you can't get rid of government because government is just an expression of the necessity for groups of people to reach a consensus about how they're going to behave. There's no getting rid of that. Family has a government. If it doesn't, it has unspoken rules and there's a ritual. So if there's no government, it's ritual. But families, families are actually better when some of the government governing principles are articulated. To get the proper place usually means to balance a number of competing forces. It isn't like, well, no government and everything will be okay. It's like, no, sorry, that isn't that simple. And nothing is that simple. And that's why I'm not a fan of ideologues. It's like ideologues have the same answer to every question. It's like, well, that's the same as not thinking. Generally, it turns out that things are very, very complicated and you have to take them apart in detail and then you have to solve a small part of the problem. And that's hard. It's like everything is like fixing a military helicopter. There's a lot of parts and you don't understand most of them and you'll make it worse if you don't know what you're doing. And so those movements like anarchists or progressives, it's like, no, it's too complicated, end quote. I, would, I do want to add all those likes that were in there that was what he said. So if that was a little confusing, <laughs> I apologize. No, I, I'm not, I'm not, riff, I'm just saying when he says yeah. it, it flows better because it's him talking. And right. Right. Reading. I was, I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. And as I was, and I did, as I was describing this, I was, I took out a few, you know, words here and there that didn't actually add anything. And I was tempted to take out the likes and everything. I was like, yeah, you know, I don't want to, you know, so we'll just put a sick at the end of that. So I apologize that I didn't read it as clearly as he said it because when but, he's talking, you know, but it is what he said. As, I, as I've learned doing this a few times, it's not the first time I've transcribed something. It's tough because it's we. I mean, I can't imagine someone trying to transcribe what I say. 
It would, yeah, of course, be an absolute. No, I wasn't mess. saying that as an insult to Jordan <laughs> Peterson. He's he's very clearly when he talks. It's yeah, a, you know, yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm reading it, and I'm I'm trying, you know, to not make it sound bad. But yeah, anyway, you're, you're reading. Uh, let's go back to the. Yeah, yeah, you're reading what yeah. I tried to transcribe from him. So it's it's like three degrees of communicate like we <laughs> yeah. like hearing writing and then reading so it's anyway if you go get the episode and listen to it uh we'll put the timestamp in there but uh you can actually that's exactly what he said well that's I, I thought that was the only problem with what we had with what he said was that he said like a few too many times so i don't know yes, what so moving on <laughs> yeah thanks for listening everyone we'll catch you next week um all right, so let's go back to the beginning of his answer where he says, well, you can't, you can't get rid of government because government is just an expression of the necessity for groups of people to reach a consensus about how they're going to behave. Is that how you really define government? <laughs> no. I mean, that would be like me saying, well, you have, you have three noses. And your response would be, what? I have three noses? Yeah, the, the one kind of in the middle of your face between and below your eyes and the two on the side of your head that you can, uh, you kind of hear things with. Like, well, no, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to just define them as noses too. That's kind of silly. Right. Um, because that's not what government is. Right. I mean, that's the most important, a very important thing is if you're going to, you know, critique someone, at least use their definitions. I remember Adam Kokesh uh, said it very well. I think it was it when, when he came to Philadelphia to speak and someone asked a question like, well, what if we had a, you know, like systems of voluntary governments where, you know, you only paid what you got out of it and they didn't force you to pay taxes and everything. And he goes, we have, we have names for those sorts of things. They're called businesses. Don't call that a government. A government is something that puts a gun to your head. So right. I think it's, it's important to monopoly on force in a certain geographic area, right? I mean, right. So it's. Um, I mean, to say that that to kind of uh, make that analogy or or uh, say that you know you as the father of your children is proportional to Donald Trump and his relationship to you, I think is absurd. Or for me, you know, I, I live by myself, but I guess I'm the head of my household. Um, to say that um, the rules that I make, because people can come to my house and visit, and I can make rules for how they have to behave in my house. I don't think anyone ever questions that. But to say that's proportional um, the rules I make to visitors in my house is proportional to the rules that the government makes for me. That's absurd. No one would ever, I mean, people try to make that, that comparison right, because it's, it's false. I mean, we go to who owns the property, right? I mean, exactly. We don't want to take it off the rails too far, but you're the property owner. They, just because someone got elected doesn't give him a right to your property because right. your neighbors decided to vote for him doesn't mean he can now make rules on your property. Philosophically speaking, I realize in reality they do that, but but to say, I mean, to, say that, to say that the state or the the family is a government, I mean, that's begging the question about property rights and. 
and a lot of stuff like that where it's like you really you really believe that or is it just kind of like a convenient right. I mean, he, kind of he's clearly conflating rules with government he says family has a government well as far as i know and i'm you know and every family i've known has never held elections to uh get dad out of the house and put uh big brother in uh, but I don't know how you compare family to government unless you're saying rules are government. Um, he says if it doesn't, it has unspoken rules. He says, this is a quote, government, family has a government. If it doesn't, it has unspoken rules. So what's he talking about? He's obviously conflating rules with government. Right. I think he's saying if there aren't stated rules, then there's unspoken rules. <laughs> yeah. You know, if it doesn't have a government, then it has unspoken rules. What are you talking? He's not making any sense. And he clearly has no clue about anything that has to do with anarcho-capitalism. Capitalism, right. Period. And let's let's but, take it a, a step back and just mention, uh, you know, we can't get rid of government because government is just an expression of the necessity for groups of people to reach consensus about how they're going to behave. So did when Dave Rubin and Jordan Peterson were figuring out how to organize and schedule their interview for that show, they became a government. I guess or, so, according to Jordan Peterson. Um, like, you go into a, a grocery store and you wait in line and then you pay for your things. You followed the rules that they had there um, the grocery store is a government because um, there were there was a set of rules for how to and, and everyone generally agrees to all these rules on how to act. So therefore, that's a government. No, it's absurd. People people voluntarily interact all the time. Um, mm -hmm. it's, um, it's unfortunate. Yeah. So moving on, it's actually <laughs> it's funny because he just misses it here. Yeah, that's an absurd. I mean, if his definition of government is rules, then okay. Well, everyone needs rules. There has to be rules. It's how we set them. And right. uh, I think property rights are a better way to do it than forcing government on everybody. Um, but then he says here, if it doesn't, it has unspoken rules and there's a ritual. So if there's no government, it's ritual. Well, there it is. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you said it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, I guess that was a good line. Um, but I don't think that's the point he was trying to make. Um, and he says, but families are actually better when some of the government governing principles are articulated. I'm guessing government was a uh, was misspeaking there. And he said, when some of the governing principles are articulated. Um, I mean... I don't think I really disagree. Families have rules generally. I mean, are there families without rules? Uh, Maybe. The, the, the one, I mean, in my house, there is only one rule. There are no rules. Yeah, exactly. It was a wild and crazy time over there. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, so, all, he, all he's saying, I mean, again, it's, it's the conflation of government and rules, rules with government. That, yeah it's, exactly. it's good to be able to have some explicit rules and that's also kind of long but that's fine i mean like i said you can come into my house and i could tell you um you know you're not allowed to wear orange shirts in my house but generally like say i walked in your house with my shoes on and you 
like a clean floor and don't want people wearing shoes. I mean, if I walked in and walked into your kitchen and you said, whoa, 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 could you, could you, uh, you mind taking them off? I just cleaned the floor or something. I, yeah, sure. No problem. But it wouldn't be, no, ignorance is not an excuse. Go in my basement for three months until you pay me $500 and I'll let you out. And if you do anything in the next two years, I'll put you back in my basement. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ever show you my basement then. Yeah. Well, so you might have, well, whatever. I'm not, we're not going to go there. Wasn't um, for dirty floors though. Sure. <laughs> All right. So anyway, I'll continue <laughs> with his answer to get to the proper place usually means to balance a number of competing forces. It isn't like, well, no government and everything will be okay. It's like, no, sorry. That isn't, it isn't that simple. Nothing is that simple. And that's why I'm not a fan of ideologues. All right. What do you think of that little line there? Well, I don't know anyone, and I think this is we're kind of talking about before we went on that you know from a lot of anarchists and libertarians, you hear them say, and I know I say like I don't want a government. I think that the state should not exist, and people take that as me saying that um, I believe that there is a good that, like. I don't know that the government could not be there tomorrow and everything would just be fine and anarchy. I mean, I think it take these things take time. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to constantly advocate. I do advocate for the government to disappear tomorrow, but I don't, th it's not going to. Um, so we're you well, know, taking steps in the meantime to try to make it obsolete. So have you like ever a, read the economy and state? Just some of it, just the beginning. Okay, so, first, so you got to the like part the first, where the first I read about two hundred fifty pages, so the first one percent of it. Right, right. So then you must have read because I'll, I'll summarize it up for you. No government and everything will be okay. That's what he's talking about in thirteen hundred pages. Right. I mean, like what I want to say to Jordan Peterson is: is it's like no, like sorry, like it isn't that simple. And that's not what any anarcho-capitalist argues. Nobody says no government and everything will be okay. I've never heard that from any of them. The only problem is government. If we just get rid of it, everyone will be happy and everything will be wonderful. Nobody says that. Nobody argues for that. Right, because every libertarian who said that they don't want the state get that response back. Like, oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? So that's why, you know, if you actually ask us, we can explain how each of these services or products that the government provides would be handled better by the market. Right. Not perfectly, not rainbows and unicorns and everyone's happy all the time. Yes, we're human beings. Human pe beings do bad things. We just think it'll be better. Exactly. With a lot less violence. Right. Like how <laughs> it's kind of funny. Well, how are you going to prevent the, you know, someone from stealing all your money? Well, let's start by not having it institutionalized that someone's stealing my money. Yeah, that's one one place we can start. We can we can drop theft big time by just eliminating government. Theft will go down. I mean, it'll be insane how how, how if you compare theft to a government society versus uh, an anarcho-capitalist society, theft will be very small. Oh yeah. Um. So anyway, then he goes on. Uh, nothing is that simple, and that's why I'm not a fan of ideologues. It's like ideologues have the same answer to every question. It's like, well, that's the same as not thinking, end quote. Um, do you have any issue with that? you agree on board? 
No, because, well, one, I don't understand the problem people have with ideologues because, I don't know, I think it's important to be consistent on what you believe. Um, you know, thinking something without thinking it through or, or blindly is, is, a, is a bad thing. And I know, I mean, I hope I'm not guilty of it now. I think I've done, I, I know I used to. I used to not know why I believed the things I did. Um, but it took a lot of thinking and discussions with people to kind of come to where I am now. And I'm still, uh, you know, making sure I'm keeping an open mind and learning. But what's kind of funny is that, well, he's kind of contradicting himself because he's, his position is that the state is necessary. He's not coming at the idea of anarcho-capitalism as agnostic, saying like, well, actually, I don't really know. I mean, I don't think we could do without a state. He's saying, no, it's – you need it. So doesn't that make him ideologically supporting the existence of the state? Doesn't mean it's, it's uh, the way – his idea or version of the state would be the way it is today. I'm sure it, w- it would be vastly different he would want but still i mean it's it's funny that we get critiqued as being ideologues when that's exactly what they're doing by just right and and i i don't know who he's talking like he may have someone in mind and and like you said there's some people who believe things without knowing and maybe have maybe people do have the same answer to every question i don't know um, and that would be the same as not thinking. If you don't consider other sides and that's just, you know, I'm this and this is why what I'm doing and this is my answer to everything, well, then, yeah, that's the same as not thinking. But uh, I challenge you to find an ANCAP who wasn't a Democrat or Republican before they became an ANCAP. And if that's the case, then they clearly did some thinking. Anyone who changes their mind, even if they change their mind to something I disagree with, did some thinking. You don't right. just wake up and change. Mm-hmm. So, and I think a lot of ideologues do think, uh, we were talking before we went on air, I'd much, uh, I got to be careful how I say this, but I'd much rather talk to a communist who um, really understands the communist theory and try to back them into a corner than to talk to someone who has no clue and just says, hey, I like Republicans sometimes and Democrats sometimes. And, you know, you, you don't get anywhere and those conversations are boring. Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, All right, so I'll continue with Peterson's answer. Generally, it turns out that things are very, very complicated, and you have to take them apart in detail, and and then you have to solve a small part of the problem, and that's hard. It's like everything is like fixing a military helicopter. There's lots of parts, and you don't understand most of them, and you'll make it worse if you don't know what you're doing. And so those movements, like anarchists or progressives, it's like, no, it's too complicated. Well, Jordan, Mr. Pe- Dr. Peterson, you just explained why we need anarchism. Because no one person or group of people can possibly understand how to manage an economy. And that's the knowledge problem. That was F.A. Hayek's knowledge problem, right? No yep. one person can possibly understand how to fix everything. The and that's why conceit. you need the market. Yeah. So I, I thought he did a great job of explaining why we need anarchy. And then he goes on to say... Those movements like anarchists or progressives, it's too complicated. So it's too complicated to have anarchy. Hmm. So you need one person doing everything, fixing the military helicopters, he says. 
Do you have anything yeah. to add on that one? Yeah. Well, I mean, my biggest issue is he says it's like fixing a military helicopter. I think it's more closely related to fixing a tractor. Um, but I guess that's just a matter of preference. Um, da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna I was gonna see how long I could let the silence go and see, <laughs> yeah. see where you take the <laughs> tractor analogy, but uh yeah, it could be like fixing a tractor. Um, I guess. No one person can do that. But I, I, I saw something the other day like what you just said with the Hayek thing with the fatal conceit. I saw someone the other day I forget who it was. Um but they were talking about it was one of the it might have been Bob Murphy. Or I don't know. I was listening to something about um, saying what we need to do to fix the healthcare problem is to get, and I forget which politicians they named, you know, the leading Democrat, the leading Republican, just put them in a room together and they'll figure out what, what to do. And it's like, really? So why not like have them solve all of the world's problems if they could just get like a couple of, uh, um, yeah, two career politicians put right. them in a room. They, they know about, about the healthcare system. Technical <laughs> problem for some industry and be like, oh, yeah, they'll figure it out. What? That's absurd. Wait, did, did you say Bob Murphy said that? He was criticizing someone saying okay. that and saying like – and then saying, you know, why not uh, Why not have him do anything? Like solve, figure out how to get food everywhere. Right. Also, exactly, speaking exactly. of Bob Murphy, you know, he obviously listens to us, specifically me. Because in the in a recent episode on the Tom Woods show, he brought up tractors and manufacturing them. So there's only so, one yeah. way. There's only one way he could have thought of that. Yeah. So thanks, Bob, for listening. We appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> let's continue on. Ruben, Ruben then cuts it. Unless you had something else to add. Um, okay. No. So Ruben, Ruben cuts in and says, "Yeah, it's interesting." Because I've had a couple anar uh, ANCAPs on here. Intellectually, I love the exercise of how much we could chop away from the government. But for me, at least, as someone who believes we have to have some level of government, the chaos that we would go through and the pain and probably bloodshed and God knows what else just wouldn't be worth even getting there. But I like the idea. End quote. Anything to say on Ruben's reply? He's an ideologue. Yeah, he is. We have to have some level of government. But anyway, the, the again with the chaos. Um what do you think the bloodshed? All right, let's say there's going to be I don't understand. Well, the, again, again, it's just not understanding what uh most anarchists say. I think a lot of us uh, there's basically two main schools of thought in the anarchist movement that I'm aware of. And if I'm wrong on this, please someone correct me if there's another one. But there's the secessionists and the abolitionists. Neither of them are talking about having like a armed revolution. The secessionists believe that you know that you you break away, form smaller governments, and everything, and it, eventually it's down to the individual. The abolitionists say just work to get rid of everything, make the state obsolete, and you know the abolitionists are more likely to be agorists too. Um. So either way, you, you know, through either of those means, you there could be bloodshed through it, but it's not like they're by no means given. I think both of them are intended to, to do it peacefully. And even if there were some bloodshed, um, 
you know, you're going to say that's unacceptable, but like all the bloodshed currently from the state now is like, uh, yeah, I was going to say Ruben might be living in the same world as the person who asked the question because who Dave Rubin, who in the 20th century do you think was responsible for just a little bit of bloodshed, like hundred million people dead more at the hands of governments? The ANCAPs. Like the problem with the 20th century. Yeah, exactly. The problem with this 20th century wasn't all these anarchists. The, the problem with, wow. in the Middle East isn't because there's a whole bunch of anarchists running around trying to have a voluntary society. The dude that shot the archduke <laughs> Ferdinand was an anarchist, wasn't he? Checkmate. Uh, that's, that's, that's what they say. Yeah. So then all that, remember all the anarchists from um, Austria-Hungary <laughs> and uh, Serbia and Russia and France and Germany, They all those anarchists got together and had a big war. And then in, in the 40s and 30s, all those anarchists in Germany put all those people in the camps. And it was just a mess of anarchy in, in the 20th century. But, I mean, open your anarchy. eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, who is, who is really responsible for bloodshed? And if you're so against bloodshed, great, hop on board, come with us. Right. And again, that's not be to a say, lot less bloodshed. That's not to say that David Rubin's version of government would be what it is now, but I mean, I don't think it would be. No, it's, it's I, I mean, I listen to clearly I'm not like not. a religious listener, but, right. but yeah, from, he's, from I like I've, his show. I enjoy his show. From what I've heard of him, he's, you know, 99% better than, most people on what his views are. Anyone you're going to watch on cable news. Yeah. Right. He's, I mean, the point of this episode isn't to trash these two people because I actually really enjoy listening to both of them. Right. But it's just infuriating when you make claims like this and have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, what would be, and, um, and let's just assume the, that the both of them are, are kind of, well, I don't know. I don't want to put words in Peterson's mouth, but. I know Ruben, I mean, he calls himself a classical liberal, and from everything I've heard, it seems like he's kind of a, 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 a minarchist, uh, you know, the night watchman state, protecting property rights and, yeah. uh, you know. He's protecting- big on civil liberties, yeah. Right. Um, so why would there be, like, making that just like the, a police, why would there necessarily be a huge amount of bloodshed between that night watchman state and just privatizing that kind of stuff i guess right. they'll say like oh it's going to be warlords and everything but you know i would like it if someone could articulate that a little bit i don't know right so well it's just it's just a throwaway thing because you can it's cheap what's frustrating about it is it's just a cheap kind of uh yep. a cheap shot because people associate anarchy with chaos like they conflate the two terms they say anarchy is chaos so to be like oh yeah it's gonna be bloodshed yeah yeah yeah. it's because it's chaos well no i mean just like they conflate like society and order as government which is the exact opposite of that it's mass theft and violence it's like it is the warlords taking over it's like throw us a bone here you you said you've had a couple of hand caps on the show and i know he's had brian kaplan on it's like mm-hmm. anything that those guys because because he well, could obviously have, I would say yes because he does say right. he likes the intellectual exercise or whatever and he says it's interesting and so I mean he probably hasn't given it a lot of thought I mean right. no, maybe he has that's not fair but he probably didn't read through Rothbard and Mises and or maybe right. he has I don't know I don't know I don't know what he does he's a smart guy and his show is oh really yeah good. yeah but it's obviously not a, he's not an ANCAP 
I don't know that that doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't know anything about it, but he does say he's had ANCAPs on and they were very interesting and he liked that and loves the exercise, but he can't get over the hump or whatever. So fine. You know, I, I don't really have a problem so much with Ruben saying that as much as I wish Jordan Peterson would have said, well, I know nothing about uh, anarcho-capitalism. I haven't even heard that term before instead of acting like, you know, because exactly what he just explained is what anarchists are saying is no one person can know everything jordan peterson knows everything about psychology he's unbelievable he can quote guys he can he's very good at speaking if you youtube him you can watch his stuff it's great but he doesn't know everything and you can't know everything he can't focus on economics and uh, philosophy if he's focusing on psychology you can only do so much you can't fix the entire military helicopter. You have to take a small part. And that's the whole thing of anarchy is have people specialize in what they're good at instead of having a group of people or one person try to make the decisions for everybody. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I agree um, too. I, sh I should have been I should have been a little lighter on, on Ruben because, you yeah. know, I, I, I don't listen and because I don't, I've heard, I know Jordan Peterson. I listened to him a little bit, but I don't. Not like you have, so I know I know I know what Ruben thinks a lot more than right. Peterson. So I should have uh, thrown him a bone, I guess, instead of begging he throws me one. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, it continues. If if we should go on real quick, it does. Peterson says it does. Just just a little bit. Pe oh, Peterson that kind says, of stuff. yeah. Do you want me? To, do you want to read that part? Or um, I mean, I don't. I mean, we don't have to. Yeah, I he mean, basically, I, just says. Because he makes a good point, and let's let's give him a. Oh yeah, I just did. I just don't have him. Say something nice about him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll say something real nice about him real quick. Okay. But he says Peterson says, well, it's necessary to figure out how to limit the growth of anything that has the proclivity to grow. I'm not a fan of bigness. You know, there's this idea, especially around 2008, of too big to fail. I think all the bloody phrases that have ever been coined that has to be uh, that has to be one that is nearest to the stupidest because. The actual, in my opinion, the proper viewpoint on that is that it's so big it has to fail. And so this is one of the things I think could actually unite conservatives and liberals, conservatives and leftists even. Like some leftists don't like big companies and conservatives don't like big government. It's like, okay, there's something in common here. Big. Well, big's a problem. So, you know, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, Believe it or that, I agree with you. Stopped, that's where I stopped transcribing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, actually, it does. It does continue to go on because he talks about Brexit and uh, oh, oh, okay. economic okay. community so, was too big. And, it was a couple. It was so, a couple sentences after that because I, I kind of, I think yes. I might have been like mid sentence. I stopped. So. You did, but uh, <laughs> but I agree, and he makes a good no, point. So at least he's not a big government guy. And when something right. is so big, maybe it should fail instead of propping it up and making it even bigger. Right. Um, which is what, what happens when a few people try to fix the military helicopter. They make big things that should fail bigger. So if we just let it fail and let people decide uh, through their voluntary interactions, we'd be much better off. So I think actually, now that I, I read these quotes, it sounds like Jordan Peterson is an anarchist uh, because he talks about ritual taking over for government and that things are so complicated that no one person could do it. So... There we go. We got him. There we go. Got another one. You can thank us. Doctor, uh, he's a doctor, right? Oh, yeah. Dr. Peterson. Dr. Peterson. And uh, so, yeah, and I just want to um, emphasize it. 
even more. I really like both these guys. I listen to their podcasts. I think they're awesome. It's just yeah, and it's one of those things where because I know I know the response to something like this would be, uh, well, you know, okay, so Jordan Peterson's not an anarchist. Give him a break. He does a bunch of other great stuff. I agree. He does. He he does. He is. You know, the fact that how he's standing up to the you know the militant politically correct culture is is mm-hmm. very admirable. And I, but he even says really, it's not like um, it's not like the guy. What was his name? The guy who got kicked out of everything from Brexit, uh, not Brexit, uh, Breitbart. Milo Yiannopoulos? Milo, Milo Yiannopoulos. Yeah, like he's obnoxious and offensive. Jordan Peterson is not. Jordan Peterson right. is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I know people, you know, people might say like, I oh, should just leave him alone and everything. But I mean, I don't know. I think that eventually defeating the state's important. And if he's going to be wrong about something, you know, I think we should bring it up and talk about it. And um, right, because you know, the last thing, the, uh, intellectualism and thinking dies when you don't question or don't push back. Um, Absolutely, at the authorities. So if you disagree, right, and he's you know, yeah, he comes on. across as like being intellectually elitist. Not, I, that's probably not fair. But it's like you ask a smart guy because he is a smart guy. You ask him a question, he has to have an answer. He can't say I don't know, right? You know, he couldn't say I, I'm not familiar with this because by his answer, he clearly illustrated that he's not familiar with anarcho-capitalism. He didn't say anything close to what it is. So right. he obviously doesn't know it. So instead of saying, I'm not real familiar with that, it's not something I go into, but my immediate thought is we've had government for 10,000 years and people would go into chaos without it because that is kind of uh, like what he talks about with the family structure and things. He's like, we're, you know, humans were built on 10,000 years of this. You can't just change it overnight. It won't work. You'll be thrust into chaos. So it wouldn't shock me if his answer is we've had government for so long we can't end it. Um, there's certain things. You know, and, and whatever, but he doesn't know the theory of anarcho-capitalism because he didn't address anything that anarcho-capitalists say. So um, I wish he just would have said he didn't know much about it. And then I wouldn't have really had a problem with his answer. I mean, I would have, but it would have been less infuriating. Yeah, so maybe maybe use so, this is, is not so much because, like we said, he's a really smart guy. So um, this is probably going to, from someone who doesn't know anything about anarcho-capitalism, probably be one of the better uh, kind of responses that someone would give as opposed to your, you know, your everyday, everyday Joe. So, yeah, you know, maybe you use what we say is, is ammo for when you hear it from someone that's not as smart as Jordan Peterson, or if they are as smart as Jordan Peterson. Cause I think we can. Yeah. Anyone. Yeah. So with that, do you have a uh, free market success story? Um, I could. Do you have one? Do you think anything? Nope. Okay, so I was on Twitter at one point today and saw someone tweeted out the cover of Forbes magazine from 2007, November 12th, 2007, almost one year ago today. Today is the 13th, and it has a picture of a guy on a cell phone. He's in his business suit and says, Nokia, one billion customers. Can anyone catch the cell phone king? Um, how many people listening have a Nokia? probably close to zero um i did have a nokia at one time and i used to play snake on it and it was great i also have um, nokia in my garage <laughs> but, um, 
Unfortunately, I got that joke, but uh, <laughs> I knew you would. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, anyway, back back on. I, so I found I found the article from 2007, and it talks about how uh, the dominance has been good lately to Nokia. The Helsinki Finland firm will sell 430 million handsets this year, equal to the combined volume of Motorola, Samsung, and Sony Ericsson. Its revenue will grow by 30% to 76 billion with profits, uh, probably up one quarter to 7.8 billion. Anyway, the point of me bringing this up is they don't even mention Apple. Apple came out with the iPhone in 2007. Um, I don't think no, BlackBerry was done by Qualcomm, right? Who made Blackberries? Uh, the Canadian dude. Well, they were popular at yeah. in 2007, but uh, nobody has a BlackBerry today. And maybe someone does. Uh, maybe they make phones. I don't know. They're not. <laughs> nobody has them. Um, Motorola, I guess they came out with a new phone. Samsung certainly has phones, but I haven't seen a Nokia phone in forever. And this is just 10 years ago talking about the dominance and how big this is and how its combined sales are going to equal Motorola, Samsung, and Sony. And I'm sure all three of them are now way ahead of Nokia on phone sales. And not even mentioned is Apple. Who, who saw that coming? Right. This is Forbes magazine. This is legitimate. I mean, this is the real deal, real smart guys writing at Forbes. They didn't see it. They were talking about Nokia or Nokia dominating the world of cell phones. And uh, 10 years later, they're pretty much gone. No one could have predicted that. And uh, I think we're probably all better off for it. So that's my free market. It's, it's really not a success story so much for Nokia, but for the market it is. Um, it's a good thing that Nokia wasn't a... Uh, government-owned thing or whatever that we had to use Nokia that we were the market allowed innovation and new companies to come into the market because we're much better off for it absolutely so with that show notes page again is mcfugal.com slash 65 you'll find the transcript of what we're talking about tonight between uh, Jordan Peterson and Dave Rubin as well as a link to that actual episode so you can listen to the whole thing um, as well as just you know the Rubin Report. You can check that out if you want. Uh, also, you'll find links to like liking us, like liking us on Facebook. Like uh, totally. Yeah. Following us on Twitter, and there's a couple other social media things in there, as well as subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, as well as subscribing to our email list. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Peace.